A reality of many modern careers, at least for those who have the privilege of doing so, is that you will spend quite a bit of your career traveling and hence working whilst you're traveling. The degree of travel can vary from your daily commute to around the world work trips that last weeks or even months. Typically, whilst some allowances can be made for the fact that you're out and about, you will still need to get a lot of work done on the road, so to speak. In this video, I'll talk about some key concepts, tips and tricks for being as effective as possible when traveling and working and some pitfalls to avoid. By working, I mean the so-called back home work you would have been doing had you not been traveling rather than the work that is specifically associated with your trip, for example, attending a conference. There are a few key concepts to go over to get started. Firstly, a reality check. Generally speaking, working whilst traveling is a sub-optimal experience compared with working from your home base. There are some positives, like being able to disconnect a bit more from being physically at your place of work, but a lot of downsides, working with limited portable technology like a laptop, or in the worst case, smartphone, limited or no internet, jet lag, fatigue, getting sick whilst on the road, and many more. You can work effectively whilst on the road, but it's generally a compromise. Okay, so now onto some of the key concepts. The first is that when you are deliberately traveling for work, then you should, in general, prioritize the activities that are associated specifically with that travel. For example, if you're an academic visiting a few labs on an international trip, your priority and focus should be on giving invited presentations, talking to the researchers and developing new professional relationships. Traveling is usually an expensive activity, both in terms of direct financial impact, but also your time and energy, as well as your time away from family and loved ones. So the activities specifically associated with that travel should usually be prioritized. There will be exceptions, a last minute deadline, like a grant submission where it was practically infeasible to have everything done before you embarked on the trip, but these should be minimized as much as possible ahead of time. If you must do some of this work, you need to be extra conscious of not getting sucked too far into it. You don't want to find yourself sitting down with your email and looking up five hours later to realize you should have been doing other things. Be especially conscious of only doing the absolutely critical thing and ignoring the other things that need to be done but can wait. The second key concept is deliberately thinking about what activities you do at different stages of your travel and picking activities that are minimally hindered by the fact you're traveling. A universal example of this is considering the internet connectivity situation. Internet access when flying, riding on a train or being in a remote area can often be spotty or non-existent. A lot of work involves needing internet access, for example, in academia, reading about new topics, submitting grants or papers to online submission systems, chatting or video calling with your team members and collaborators, and many other activities. Trying to do these activities with intermittent or unreliable internet can be incredibly frustrating and should be anticipated and avoided where possible. So, some examples of matching activities to travel modalities. On a plane with limited or no internet, 
reading a batch of papers that you have saved to your laptop, tablet or phone is almost as efficient as doing it back home. Reviewing a PhD thesis or academic papers can also be done relatively effectively without internet access, although you may need to flag some things to look up when you regain internet access, such as prior work by the submitting authors to check for overlap. Submitting the review comments may or may not be feasible on the plane depending on the nature of the submission system and how tolerant it is of occasional internet dropouts, you don't want to lose half your review. You may need to do it in multiple stages, recording your comments offline and then uploading when you have reliable access. What most definitely isn't efficient with limited internet is some sort of online interactive process. For example, some online administration activities where you're interacting with an online form that requires good constant internet access to confirm every stage of the process. There are a few things more frustrating than losing information you've slowly and painstakingly entered into an online form over the course of an hour with poor internet only to have it all wiped when the internet drops out momentarily. Talking of internet, nowadays you can get travel eSIMs that give you relatively cheap data as long as your smartphone supports it. This enables you to not worry too much about rationing your data usage whilst traveling. Be sure to also check out the best security practice recommendations from your workplace. This may involve a preference between using local Wi-Fi networks and roaming mobile data and the use of tools like virtual private networks or VPNs for short. You may also in some cases need to take a burner laptop or phone with minimal materials on them to certain countries to comply with security restrictions. These situations necessitate even more careful consideration of what work you can realistically do whilst traveling. Other activities that are best done at a home or office workstation should be avoided where possible. Whilst traveling, you will typically be working off a laptop, a tablet, or perhaps even a smartphone. Complex graphical design or complex coding setups involving hardware like robotics or sensors can be done on the go when it's absolutely necessary, but typically they're much slower to do than when you're at your home base. A third key concept is preparation. If you have a trip planned, you can take certain preparatory actions like saving papers, documents, videos to your media devices so that your reliance on internet access is reduced or removed. There are also other standard actions you should consider taking, like putting an out-of-office auto response on your email, explaining that responses may be slower than normal. If you're traveling and have less time for your day-to-day -day activities, that's one thing, but if people don't know to expect that, it can exacerbate matters. Preparation also takes the form of shaping how you prioritize activities at work before you travel. Knowing that you're going to be traveling shortly, you can prioritize activities that require or are much easier with your physical presence at your normal place of work. Conversely, activities that are travel friendly can be allowed to accumulate, like reading, because you know that you may have many hours on a plane or train to get them done. A fourth concept involves being deliberate from an emotional management perspective what activities you do or deliberately don't do at various times. Travel, especially international travel, can be really exhausting. You may have the better part of a day on planes, trains, or in a car, plus the debilitating effects of time zone changes causing jet lag. 
Dealing with sensitive work issues, for example, anything to do with management of people issues is something that is hard enough at the best of times. But try doing that when you're tired, perhaps a little sick and jet lagged, and it's a recipe for disaster. Your normal emotional reserves may be exhausted much more quickly and you risk snapping at someone when a more tactful response would be much more constructive. In dealing with these sensitive situations, you have two main options. If you have any option for delaying, you should consider that waiting until you're in a better state of mind to deal with a problematic issue. Delaying doesn't necessarily mean waiting until the end of your trip, but rather not trying to respond to an email whilst you're in the immigration queue after a 24-hour commute. Instead, perhaps choosing to do so after you've checked into your hotel and had a shower. But sometimes things are so urgent that you can't delay. In those situations, it can be helpful to overcompensate for the fact you are tired and jet lagged and also communicate these challenges clearly to the other parties involved so they know. Communication can make the difference between doing irreparable damage to a professional relationship and having a constructive conversation with some overcompensation in place for the fact you're traveling. Managing challenging situations remotely also depends on the groundwork you've laid before you start traveling. If you've developed strong, trusting relationships with your team, then you will be much more able to work through occasional miscommunications or perceived slights caused by working remotely. Without those strong, trusting relationships, even the smallest issue can potentially blow up. Working whilst traveling also offers some opportunities that aren't available when you're in the day-to-day -day grind of work back home. The very things that can make working while traveling difficult, like being tired, disconnected from the routine back home, can also sometimes lead to new perspectives, insights, and even epiphanies on your work. Sometimes these will be semi-delirious ideas generated on the back of getting little sleep over two days that don't stand up to scrutiny, but occasionally they will be genuine breakthroughs. Make sure that you capture them so you can revisit them when you get home. Time zone differences represent both an opportunity and a challenge. One of the key benefits of being on the far side of the world to your team is that you can hand over work so that someone is always working almost 24 hours a day on the project. In academia, an example of this would be writing an academic paper. Time zones enable the paper to be worked on by someone on the team scattered throughout the world almost continuously without any downtime for sleeping. The downside of time zones is they inhibit live communication. If you're on the opposite side of the world and maintaining at least a somewhat locally consistent day schedule, there will be very little overlap when parties in two opposite sides of the world can meet or chat online. One of the implications of this is that more of your communication will need to be done by non-time critical mechanisms like email. A key concept to keep in mind here is that you want to minimize the amount of unnecessary back and forth iteration where possible. So, rather than saying, did you mean A or B when sending an email to a colleague, instead consider saying something like, did you mean A or B? If you meant A, then let's do X, or if you meant B, let's do Y. 
That way you minimize the amount of time people spend waiting on that reply email, which can take another half day to come through to keep progressing whatever the activity is. This is especially important when you're working in a collaboration where most of the advising and suggestions are going in one direction, such as a professor working with a new PhD student on their first paper. Also, again, make sure the people you're working with are aware of where you are in the world at different dates and the likely hours you'll be responsive. Finally, when you get back home after a trip, remember that not only have you been away from family and friends, but that you've been doing double time in terms of trying to continue your normal full-time work commitments whilst also doing all the trip associated activities. You will quite typically be extra exhausted and should where possible put in place measures like a short break to help recover. Sometimes the nadir of emotional energy will occur not during but rather shortly after returning from the trip especially as all the things you deferred all come at you at once when you step into your workplace. A little bit of planning here can go a long way. Whilst working whilst traveling can often be a challenge, it's also a privilege that many people don't get the chance to do and should always be remembered in that context. With a little planning, preparation, and a deliberate choice of what you do and don't do and when, you can ensure a productive and enjoyable trip whilst staying, at least mostly, on top of things back home.